Today's episode is brought to you by Fig and Dove, our favorite place for luxury home decor and gifts for all seasons. Their founder, interior designer Colleen Wagspack, curates their beautiful collections and is a previous HSDT guest. Fig and Dove was created to fill a void in the holiday decor market in 2015 and has since evolved into year-round home decor and thoughtful gifts. From their timeless front door styles of wreaths and wreath sashes to their holiday collection of heirloom Christmas stockings and acrylic stocking holders. Fig and Dove sets a new standard on how to build a collection and add the finishing designer touches to your home. With personal attention and professional expertise, the Fig and Dove team will help you select it, style it, and share it for generations. Fig and Dove hopes to grace homes with beauty, meaning, and functionality, where families and friends make memories and build traditions for years to come. You can find them online at www.figandove.com and on Instagram and TikTok at Fig and Dove. Be sure to check them out. everyone, I am Emily Landers, and this is How'd She Do That? A podcast answering that question each episode. Welcome everyone, welcome to today's episode of the podcast. I am so happy that you're here, that you're tuning in, and that you're listening. If this is your first time joining us, I want to extend a very special welcome to you. You have stumbled upon my absolute favorite thing. We started this podcast in 2020 after a radio gig uh, that was offered to me (laughs) fell through because of COVID and we just decided, okay, it's time. I've got to do something and podcasting was always something that I had thought I would be good at or okay at or at least enjoy Um, and for the past two years we have now been producing episodes that come out every Tuesday. Earlier this year 2022 we really started to treat HSDT like a business um, and we continue to share the behind the scenes over on patreon.com slash how'd she do that where we share not only more insight into my life as your host many of our guest episodes I don't necessarily share a ton about my life or um, some of the different entities that I'm kind of enmeshed with in the business side of things and so over on patreon.com slash how'd she do that we have created a really fun platform and place for listeners to connect. If you guys have not checked it out and you've been listening to the podcast for some time, I highly recommend you come and join us. There's over 16 episodes. We have vlogs over there and you get five bonus episodes a month. And if you're ever on Patreon, you can also recommend guests, you can recommend content, and we really have just so much fun. Well, you guys, speaking of fun, today's episode with my friend Kathleen Holloway is such a blast. I so enjoyed getting to know Kathleen better, hearing more about her experience in the events and bridal industry. So if that is something that is of interest to you, I think you're really going to enjoy today's episode, but it's for everyone. It's a great conversation. I'm so grateful for her time and for all of our guests. Speaking of, I want to let you all know we have episodes through the end of the year at this point and then some. More likely than not, this fall we will have two episodes a week given a specific month once I choose 
choose it, but I want to let you know we do have a few one-off sponsorships available. Please email us should you be interested in that. Okay, guys. Well, without further ado, here is Kathleen Holloway on How'd She Do That? Today's guest, Kathleen Holloway, is the founder and creative director of Holloway Events. Kathleen's passion for weddings began at a young age with her first Martha Stewart Weddings magazine. Fifteen years later, she started her career in the industry working for a couture boutique. She went on to work for a well-renowned bridal designer, as well as opening a couture salon alongside the founder of a national collective. Kathleen has already was already the go-to for wedding questions from friends and family, but after planning her own wedding in 2018, the requests from friends to plan their events began flooding in. When Kat isn't working with clients, hosting her own events, or speaking with women like myself, she is likely enjoying time with her family in Texas. Kat, welcome to How'd She Do That? That was quite an intro. Thank you so much. Well, this has been a long time coming, and I could have talked to you for much longer. There's so much overlap, I think, in our lives. Texas connects and all that you're doing. Tell us this, because I know you listen to the podcast, and you know that we always love to just dive in. How about you tell us a little bit about maybe where you're from, where did you go to school, and ultimately, what did you major in? Well, I went to school at University of Alabama. I'm actually from Houston, Texas. And um, I just wanted to get out of Texas. I knew eventually I would come back. I love Texas. This is my home and always will be my home. But I knew that was a great opportunity in four years where I could go be adventurous. My family was really supportive of that, which was so kind. And so I chose Alabama. Um, And I actually majored in political science um, and was going to be on the fast track to law school. That took obviously a sharp left turn. Um, It's so crazy to think of of what you thought you were going to be doing. What did you think you were going to be doing with that major? So I still love um, the legal world and, you know, all of that. I just really did not think with my secret wedding passion, which it was definitely a secret um, in high school because what girl would be wedding planning uh, at that age. I didn't want to seem like um, the psycho who wanted to get married at 18 or <laughs> or whatever, but um, I just didn't think I could make a living at being a wedding planner, which is hysterical because I had a million Martha Stewart wedding magazines and loved doing that on the side, but I thought I could really um, make a great living and a really great career out of being an attorney. And so I went um, when I was in college, I also went and interned in DC, which was probably mm-hmm. the best summer I had ever had. Um, I love DC, would have loved to live there, but ultimately, you know, fate took a different turn, which I'm loving. But I just, yeah, thought I was going to be an attorney, which is so funny looking back now. I could never do it. Well, it's so funny too, because I think often like I look back and it's like, oh, what did you want to be when you were little or whatnot? But you're actually in college thinking, okay, this is the route I'm going to take. And you did ultimately graduate with that major. So so what did it look like? When did you recognize I'm not doing law school? I did. So I was still fast track even after, um, after college. I was hell-bent on 
going to law school yes. um, and took the LSAT, ended up taking a, I was going to take a gap year between going to law school and undergrad anyhow. And so I decided um, my to go and work for a law firm. So I did that and I ended up realizing it was not for me. I did yeah. not like the culture. And so then I had a little bit of a quarter life crisis, I would say, mm-hmm. of, okay, I thought this is what I was going to do and I don't love it. And I don't think attorneys are for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then uh, my sister was actually engaged at the time and we went to do wedding dress shopping and I knew every designer and picked out and I could tell you their background. There was one Amsala dress that she tried on and I was dying for her to buy it. And I was like, oh my gosh, this designer, she's Ethiopian. You have to know her. She's amazing. Uh-huh. I started her own company. Uh-huh. And the owner of the boutique looked at me and she was like, how do you know all of that? And I was like, oh, I'm a closet wedding obsessed person. <laughs> and then um, she, my sister lived out of town and she said, would you mind if I take your information so that if the dress comes in, we can call you and you can pick it up. And I just thought as the maid of honor, that was my duty. I had no yeah. idea. So I said, sure, I would love that. And I just felt so important when she asked me that question. And then she emailed me um, two days later and asked if I wanted a job. Oh my um, gosh. It was just kind of fate. Um that I feel like I stepped into it. So I left my role at what we call big law. Mm-hmm. I was under a big law firm and I left that role and I never looked back. Well, it's so fun to hear that your trajectory happened in the wild with, with you just kind of enjoying life and celebrating your sister, but also sharing your passions with others in in, a, in such an interesting space and in such an interesting way that they would think, wait, we need her contact information. Now tell me this, where are you living at this time? I was living in Houston. Okay. Um, so this is in so- Houston. Correct. It was um, a boutique that's actually no longer in business, which is very bittersweet, but it was in Houston and um, she offered me the job and I put in my two weeks notice at the law firm um, pretty much the next week. I was like, this is my out. I got to get out of here. <laughs> and so um, then I started working there and then connected with um, a really amazing bridal designer while I was there. Mm. Um, and so that's how that role, you know, came about. So what was the role that you initially received via email and, and that introduction? What was that kind of step into all things wedding? It was a little bit of a hybrid role. It was a couture boutique in River Oaks um, in Houston mm-hmm. and helping out with marketing as well as um pretty much anything that they needed. So, you know, when you work at a small boutique, um, it's really all hands on deck at all times. So I was doing marketing, I was helping with sales. So, and helping with trunk shows and bringing all the gowns in and making sure that everything came in on time and was correct, as well as the operations of the store, making sure if a wedding gown came in, that if there was a modification to a neckline or anything like that, that it was correct, as well as making sure, you know, the dress didn't have any stains on it, um, which is very rare, but it does happen. So then we could get the dress 
fixed or um, get a new gown in enough time for alterations and for wow. the wedding to take place without the bride ever knowing, of course. Oh, yes, of course, of course. Well, it's so fun to hear because this – so we know where the trajectory is, obviously, at this point. And as we're talking, you have your own event company, which is incredible, and I can't wait to dive in. But at this season of life, you're getting kind of a crash course specifically on the boutique business side of the wedding industry and bridal design. So you then meet this bridal designer. What was the trajectory? Because for someone like me who's listening and, and is thinking about, okay, bride, like wedding, like for me personally, it's like, oh, I had my wedding. Okay. Yay. Bye-bye weddings. You are all in for weddings. So what does the trajectory look like for you to be at this boutique and then say, I want to go work for a bridal designer? I knew I didn't want to be a shop girl. Um, okay. for the rest of my life. I love retail. I do. It's actually, I, I miss it now somewhat, but working <laughs> on Saturdays and Thanksgiving and when everyone shops, mm. I knew it wasn't going to be a long-term thing that I could do. Yeah. Um, I didn't want to miss out on all of that and missing out on friends' weddings and which I have missed many. Mm. Um, and, you know, being even, even a bridesmaid and friends' weddings. I wasn't able to do that because of being in retail. And so I knew that was a huge sacrifice um, when I fell in love with weddings. Um, but working for this designer, I knew I would have a little bit more flexibility in terms of working every single Saturday. Mm -hmm. And so she and I connected um, really kindred spirits. I think um, I still look up to her as a mentor she is such a driven woman mm -hmm. and just kind of a powerhouse in the industry. And I just, I kind of fell in love with her oh. um, spirit and, and everything like that. So I was pretty bold and brazen, a 24-year-old that said, I want to work for you. What can I do? Oh, and wow. it took about um, nine months for a position to really become available with her wow. in Dallas. And I, you know, waited and was persistent and would randomly email her and, but in the most professional way of, I was so impressed with her and wanted to be her essentially. And so I finally got the opportunity to come on as just a, you know, customer service girl. And I took it. I was like, I'm moving to Dallas. Here we go. This is the dream. Mm -hmm. Um, and was quickly, um, promoted within, I would say, six weeks, I believe it was, wow. of coming on to the sales and design team um, of that company. And we would travel basically 28 weeks out of the year. So mm. my thought of um, not missing out on things was completely incorrect. <laughs> but, uh, it was a fun time. I, have, I got to have customers all over the country. And it was neat to go to states I would have probably still not gone to. Mm -hmm. um, but it was it was an amazing experience. Um, so with that role, I was learning what brides wanted across the country from the Northeast to the Midwest, um, which is, I've, you know, now thinking back to a couple of customers, um, meeting them and getting to see their hometowns. Um, I cherish those memories so much, mm. but 
understanding what brides wanted in each different market. A bride in Texas wants a big glamorous ball gown or a bride in the Northeast wants a very Carolyn Bissette look. So every mm. region of a bride is different, um, which is very interesting. Um, just how our melting pot of a country works as well, even in the bridal industry. Well, and I've never thought of that. I have never thought of that ever. And I love that you could tell us, like I'm I'm picturing a map in my mind's eye and I'm thinking of the wedding dresses that would pop up in different locations. Very curious about, yes, the Northwest. What are they doing? What are they doing in their weddings? If you're listening, let us know because that's yes. the one that I have the biggest question mark on. Yes, that was not my territory, so I couldn't. So even we tell don't you. know. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. But but it is. It's really interesting to me that there's so many. I mean, and specifically, this conversation, of course, is around events and weddings. And and I know now you're actually you travel all over for your events. Um, but it's so cool to think about how your given expertise is so unique to you and the industry that you've stepped into. But I want to backtrack on something that you said because I find it extremely important and so encouraging to myself and I know many of my listeners is that perseverance. When you found a mentor and a woman that you admired, you just said it took nine months for you to get a role with her. So can you walk us through, and it can just be briefly, but you meet her, you love her, you love her style, you love what she's doing. And like you said, you're emailing her on occasion, just saying, hi, are you guys grabbing coffee? What did that relationship and building that relationship actually look like? Yes. So she lives in Dallas and I lived in Houston and she would come in and out of town twice a year for trunk shows at our boutique. And Ah. I would find just little ways to email her of, we're excited to see you in a few months. How is everything going? Do you have that position for me yet? Um, (laughs) Literally. Anybody that knows me knows I am nothing if not persistent, especially my (laughs) husband, I would say now. But um, I just kept at it and I knew what I wanted and I knew um, I wanted to work under her. I just saw a lot of potential in growth with her company as well as growth for my own personal career. Mm. Um, And I just, I I really just kept at it. And there were high highs and very low lows. I was in my early twenties. I was single. Being single and loving weddings is quite a challenge. Um, When you are, have dreamt of getting married since you were nine. Mm. Um, And so it was just, I guess, a God thing that I just kept at it. And I knew what I wanted and I knew it was going to take a little bit of time, but I wasn't giving up. Hmm. Um, so I, there were moments where I was like, I just, you know what, this is not for me. And I just need to just move on and stop it. Like hype train. Um, but I think it was kind of right at that nine month mark where I was like, okay, if I don't get it by a year, like let's just figure something else out. Yeah. Um, and then she contacted me and I was over the moon. Um, moved within two weeks had no, there was no plan personally. I mean, this was all, you know, head first into my career, but I didn't have an apartment. I had nobody in Dallas that I knew. And all my friends, my friend base was in Houston. I told all my friends that I was moving and they were like, what? I don't, 
And I was like, no, this is this is it, guys. I don't think you understand. Um, so it was a funny moment to see how it's turned out now. But mm. it's it's cool too to think, and, and I love that we would just pause there because to think about, like you said, the perseverance. Because and I was going to ask, were there ever times that you're like, this is not going to happen, this is not going to work out, but. I think the perseverance and also the the social cues of okay, she doesn't seem annoyed with me yet. I'm going to keep asking her. I'm going to keep talking to her. You know, I think is really key as well. So if you're in that season, if there is someone that you admire and you're like, I've got to work with this person at some point, take note from Cat. Like I love the encouragement that you've given us today to be pers- you know persevere in those conversations. Have the social cues. Have the social awareness to know if someone is like, I'm done with you, or keep it up and you'll then travel around the United States. And, and be able to see and meet so many incredible women and, and be amongst very stylish individuals and, of course, hone your craft in the wedding space. So tell us this, because you mentioned, and it, I mentioned it in the intro, you are now married. Um, and so what is happening? You moved to Dallas. I might be getting ahead of us, but what's happening in your personal life during this stage and season of your career? There was really no personal life, I, <laughs> um, which is a little bit embarrassing to say. Um, but that is where I met my husband. And we, um, I don't know even if our parents truly know this, we actually met on Tinder. Oh my and, gosh. Um, it was when Tinder was brand new. Yes. And I, like I said, I knew no one in Dallas. And one of my very best friends said, get on Tinder. And I said, uh. absolutely not. I am not that kind of girl because I had heard rumors. <laughs> and she said, that's not what it's about. First of all, Kathleen, you don't know anyone in Dallas. You can go and have drinks in different parts of town and figure out what part of Dallas you like because it's a huge city. Yeah. And you can have your drinks paid for. Go yeah. for it. Ah. Said, the anonymity of it is great. All of our cute guy friends who would maybe be on the app um, weren't there. So oh, yeah. there was no, no chance of getting caught. Um, so funny. And then my husband, Winston, is the third person I met on the app. Oh, and we went back and forth for about nine months of Hey, are you in town? No, I'm not in town because I'm traveling. So that's how we met. Um, so that was also, um, I think, a God thing, um, mm. which is amazing. And I would have never crossed paths with him had there not been the app. So, mm. and that's where most of our clients meet now are on some sort of app. I don't know if it's it's not so much Tender anymore. It's wow. Bumble or Hinge or yep. there's so many. It's hard to keep up with the new ones, but. Um, and now, obviously, I'm far removed from that life, but <laughs> it's fun to hear how clients meet. And then for me to sheepishly admit that we met on Tinder ourselves, <laughs> I am so not not a Tinder girl at oh, heart. That is... Oh, that is so cute. No, it is. It's so true. And it's even fun to hear, you know, as you're hosting events and, and assisting with weddings that, yeah, that is how so many people have met. And I think the timeline for you and I, I think we're around the same age because when I lived yeah. in New York, Tinder had just launched and I was, and someone told me, oh yeah, there's apps you can use in the city to go meet a stranger. And I was like, absolutely not. You are crazy. And then of course, found myself on, on those as well and had quite, quite a bit of fun and definitely got to know New York City through that avenue. So I love to hear that that's how you and Winston met. Now, tell us this because you did. You actually stepped into a season of wedding planning yourself, um, and you planned your 
own wedding. What did it look like for you to plan your own wedding and one, not be burnt out by weddings? I think your love for it continued. And then to consider, okay, what's the next step for me and and how could I maybe assist clients on my own? Is that the time frame that we're looking at? What, what did that look like? Right. So I actually uh, left that designer and had moved back to Houston to open um, a branch um, or a franchise of Lovely Bride. It's a um, collective of women, but it's um, a franchise. So I was opening it under the founder and uh, with the intention of purchasing the store someday. So she let me have um, a lot of room for growth and helping build out the store and all of that. In the meantime, um, I got engaged, which was amazing. And Mm. actually she knew about it, which was funny. (laughs) Um, And then we planned the wedding. I had the most fun. Everyone pretty much stayed out of my way because they knew that I had been doing, wanting to do this (laughs) since I was nine. Um, And in the meantime, I was working Wednesday to Sunday uh, at the store, running the store. Um, The store had opened in that timeframe. And then Winston, my husband, was working Monday through Friday. And he looked at me one night as we were having dinner and said, I just feel like you're my roommate. And we were married maybe three months at the time. And I was just kind of devastated by him saying that and Mm. not in a, he wasn't being not supportive. It was that he felt like we didn't spend any time together. And that was true. Um, And I was like, okay, well, that's no way to start a marriage. Mm. And um, so I just started thinking about long-term if I did purchase the store, what would that look like for our relationship Mm -hmm. and family? And obviously he's the love of my life. So what would that look like? And is that fair to him? Mm -hmm. Um, And I just thought, I don't think it's worth it for me to not have a family, you know, Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, um, we're on here because we're talking about ambitious women and all of that. But, you know, you can't take your career with you when you go. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was just something I said, okay, well then I'm going to figure out something else to do. Mm. And it was, I went back, you know, it was a couple of months of thinking about it, of course. Um, and I kept, when brides would come in to find their wedding gown at the store, I was all in. How did you meet? What are you, where's your wedding? What is it going to look like? Mm. And then they would say they don't know. I'd say, oh my gosh, okay, well, with your body type and where you're getting married in the season, <laughs> I think, and I would plan their wedding in the hour that we spent together. And oh like, my gosh. My wedding. How are you doing this? I ha-, and I was like, I just have so many wedding visions. And I did, a lot of times I didn't tell them I had had 78 Martha Stewart wedding magazines <laughs> that I looked at at home. But um, I just feel like it's my gift from God that I can envision a wedding within 10 minutes. I know what your hair should look like. I know that there should be a string quartet or a jazz band or whatever it might be. I just have this vision for it and I know it would be this stunning wedding. Hmm. And so I would describe these to these brides. And because I was trying to sell a wedding gown, of course, Yes. but I also did believe in the vision that I was selling as well. Yeah. Um, And so then 
after about 10 brides said, I wish you could just plan my wedding for me. I went home and I was like, do you think I could be a wedding planner? And he was like, I mean, I'm sure you could be. I have no idea. (laughs) And so I asked a couple of my friends who had gotten married and had asked me some questions because everybody knew that I loved weddings. And they said, we didn't ever understand why you were doing the gown thing. We we loved that for you if that's what you wanted to do. But yes, you're a wedding planner. And so- um, two weeks before my 30th birthday, I put in my two weeks notice. And I think that the founder, Ishii and I had created a great relationship and I admire her as well. I think I caught her a little off guard, um, which I still feel a little guilty about, but she, um, asked me to stay and didn't understand. And I said, I've got to do this. I also set the 30th birthday deadline that I'm starting my (laughs) new career by my 30th birthday. And so I just did it. I didn't have any brides. I just took a leap of faith. I said, I'm going to give myself six months. And our wedding in the meantime had been picked up by Martha Stewart Weddings to be featured. And I mean, I could have, if I, I could have died. I was, I mean, a lifelong dream. If I had died the next day, my life would have been complete. Oh. I was married. I was in Martha Stewart weddings. My time here is done. Um, <laughs> so that was really when I when that got picked up. I thought, okay, here's my here's my wow moment. Here's my real. I, I can do it. I've got it. I think I, I've I've got this in the bag. Um, yeah. So that's kind of how that all happened. Oh my. Gosh. Well, I love to the point of what you just said of how seamlessly you would communicate to a bride who is coming in to get their dress, and but you would go the, to the next level and you would take it to, here's the location. Here's how your hair should look. I'm sure you wouldn't even, here's the flowers. What are you eating? And to think that you were doing that for all those years and for your friends to say, yeah, we don't know why you've been doing that. You're a wedding planner. I love that you would go to those closest to you and seek wisdom and advice from them and say, hey, do you guys see me doing this? And I'm sure hearing their response built your confidence to be able to say, I definitely am doing this. Of course I'm doing this. This is what I have to do. And for it to be so seamless for you and for it to be something that comes so naturally, well, I'm I'm happy you found your sweet spot and that that's what you're doing now. So Tell us this because you just said you had these time frames within your mind of 30th birthday. I want to launch. This is what I'm doing, but you had no clients. So, what did it look like to begin to build your client list and actually step into getting paid? Were you doing like package offerings? Tell us a little bit about what it looked like because I think one of the biggest headaches or the biggest hurdles for entrepreneurs, specifically women going out on their own to start something new like this, that's part of it. It's like, get clients, get paid. So what did it look like for you to start both of those paths? (laughs) Yes. I did a little bit of secret shopping. I won't even be shy about that. And I think you should do that. If you're starting a company, you have to do your market research. And I I feel like I've been secret shopped once or twice, which is so (laughs) flattering. Um, I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing, but um, I just did my research and then I had really close friends in the industry that I had made through planning my wedding that I kept up with that were kind enough to refer me to brides. Mm. And then it was, it's all currently uh, still um, 
friend referral or wow. Instagram is now our friend. Yeah. And that's how I market myself. Um, but it was really friend referral at the beginning. And I was and still am um, a person who will make it work for you. If you want to work with me, I am honored. And that's something that I'm trying to learn a little bit as I go. Mm. Um, but I was not um, too big for my britches. I would take anything, um, mm. coordinating, full planning. But yes, I did create and still have packages now, um, depending on the level of service that the client is looking for. Um, and so that's how I started really was just out of the kindness of friends and knowing that I did have talent. Mm. Um, and it wasn't close friends, I would say, that really are the ones that referred me, which is yeah. somewhat surprising to me and was somewhat of a disappointment um, in the beginning. And now I'm thankful for that. But it was the friends who also had ambition and were yeah. doing their own floral companies. Um, one in particular, um, she has referred me to so many clients. And then um, one of your past um, uh, podcast episodes. Um, oh. Lindsay Lee was yes. my bride oh. and she, um, and I started at the same time. Um, she left and went out on her own right as I was doing it. Oh and my gosh. She rides to me because I planned her wedding. And oh. um, so it's fun to see how both of our businesses have grown within such a short time frame, And she's just such a powerhouse in Houston. Yeah. Um, but she would refer me all the time. So just really near and dear friends, but also ones that had the drive that yeah. they wanted their own business. So they got it. Yeah. Um, they got that like, you have to have money to keep the lights on and um, that you're building a brand. And so yeah. that was so kind of them. Well, I love too that you just pointed that out because I found it to be totally true. The the same as what you just shared. And it's not a knock on our on our best best friends, but for whatever reason, I have found that like you said, the referrals, the encouragement of the podcast. Now, don't get me wrong, I have very everyone in my life who's close to me is very encouraging of the podcast. Do they of listen course. to everything that I do? No. Do they like every post that I share? No, nor would I expect them to. But I think the the ladies that I've become so connected to and the ones that have surprised me, like you, are the ones who are out there doing it. And like you said so well just then, is they get it because they're the ones building a brand as well. They're the ones who are understanding what it looks like to put so much time and effort into something and not get the feedback or or whatnot. So I think that's such great encouragement. If you're looking to step out and if you're looking to do something new, you might you likely will be surprised as to who it really sticks to and who really becomes an ambassador of all that you're doing at Holloway Events or how to do that podcast or whatever entity it is you're stepping into. I find everything that you just said to be so true, but it's really cool because it opens the door to new relationships, new friendships, new, very close personal relationships through other founders. So, okay. You can tell that I could not agree more on that one. And it's, it's yes. so true. I love. I think we have a great community of friends too. I think that they just know, oh, well, she's got it. Right. Versus 
you know, I'll say Lindsay again as an example. She's yeah. been one of my biggest cheerleaders. So is sweet. She understood yeah. um, that we were both getting ourselves off the ground. So yeah. I was referring anybody that I knew about to get engaged to her. And it was, you know, just a, a great relationship. And we have a friendship beyond business referral, of course. Yeah, they just get it. Well, and it's too, it's fun too, to think about like what you just said. And I would be curious, I'm kind of, you're, you're making me brainstorm on my end with you when you're looking for referrals, it is previous brides, other people in industry, whether it's a jewelry designer or bridal owner boutique, you know, there's so many different entities within your industry that you can have a referral source. So for me, my main referral sources would be social media, word of mouth. And honestly, I I'm just brainstorming over here. I need to step into like other podcast hosts perhaps is, is my next thought. But anyways, for right. those of you, right? Like it's, you have to kind of step back and you think, wait, what's your industry? So for those of you who are listening, think about what industry, where are your referral sources coming from and maybe be creative and continue to build out your network like Kathleen has done so well. For entrepreneurial people, yeah. we have to make our own coworkers. And so yeah. I think that that's something, you know, I consider you as a coworker, you're an entrepreneur, you're yeah. doing your own things. And so it's fun to create those relationships. But yes, a lot of times your your best friend from fifth grade probably isn't thinking, oh, what you you just got engaged. You should talk to Kathleen. I know. Um, I know. That's so funny. Okay. So well said though. So yeah, you you I'm definitely over here brainstorming right now. I have my wheels are turning in regard and I'm sure listener ears are too. So I love it. I love it. Well it's so cool. It's so cool to hear about your launch season and how you did ultimately begin to get those clients and and begin to uh gosh make your dream a business. Tell us this though and it's been fun. We've touched on quite a few different highlights and I even love the entity of what your major was and ultimately what you're doing now. But are there any instances throughout your career that you'd say maybe failure helped shape it? Um, oh my gosh, so many. It's hard to even <laughs> pinpoint one failure. Um, I think perseverance is truly the key um, mm. to failure is that, you know, you can't give up. Um, I, I would say uh, one instance I had pretty recently, um, is make sure you've got a good contract team. Um, you know, you have to protect yourself. It protects the client as well. And, um, I would say that that was probably my largest, most recent instant, uh, mm. instance, uh, of failure, but I would say, um, persevere and understand um, this is your first time probably owning a business for most women listening or men, and that you're learning along the way, just like, um, just like everyone else. So mm. give yourself a little bit of grace in terms of running your business. Mm. Um, but I would say perseverance, even with, you know, this small contract hiccup, I would say is my most recent one, but yeah. you know, I, then was able to restructure. And now it is a more clear definition of what I do and don't do. Yeah. And, um, you know, you never look back. So I think perseverance, I would say with these failures of, okay, I'm going to run a bridal store. I'm going to own multiple bridal stores in my life and have them in different cities. And now being a destination wedding planner is something I never thought I would do at 18 when I declared my political science major mm -hmm. and my history minor. And I was 
on the fast track to Harvard, like Elle Woods. Um, <laughs> well, I, would, I would just say always keep, you know, the doors open for a new path as well. But mm. perseverance, I think, is something that has made each failure um, a success mm. in, in the end. Well, on the flip side of that, what would you say has been a real wow moment for you? You know, I would say each time we get a wedding published is a little feather in your cap mm. of we did it and other people think it's great too. Yeah. Um, you know, we, I think every wedding we put together is absolutely stunning. We know the client is happy. We love that they are, you know, over the moon about their wedding, but we love getting um, published to see that, you know, the industry thinks that we're doing well and that we're creating beautiful wedding days and beautiful moments for new families coming together. Mm. Um, so those are big wow moments. I think another wow moment um, most recently is we have our first um, sister that is getting married. Oh. And so um, now I'm thinking about it. We have two sisters. Um, oh. But those have, that's been really fun is now we've been in business for so long that we're getting the sisters of the older brides getting married Aww. and getting to be a part of their family for another special moment has been such an honor that they would come back to us and getting to be a part of that again. Um, they've seen different phases of my life. Um, now with expecting our second, when I was planning the first sister's wedding, I was pregnant with my first so they've seen my life evolve as well, and we're just intertwined now. Mm. And that's been such a special moment. Oh, well, it's so sweet, and it's so fun to hear just the different connects. And like you said, having been in business for some time, coming back to these family members, being a part of their special day, I'm sure thrills you and your team to no end, which is amazing. And I'd love to know this because I know enough about you to know that I'm going to be very excited to hear the the thoughts that you might have on this question. But we've kind of we've covered so much ground, and and really, it's almost like these conversations are not long enough to get all the details out, but it's been so fun to hear the different themes of, like you said, gosh, being persistent and then persevering. Those seem to be some of the themes within your story, but I'd love to know what would you maybe say is the greatest lesson you have learned that you could share with listeners? I think believing in yourself and also believing in your loves and your hobbies. I didn't believe that I could be a wedding planner and be successful. And mm. so I went the more serious route of I'm going to be this attorney. I'm going to take over. I'm going to be yeah. hell on wheels um, in that sense. And meanwhile, I was had a wedding subscription since the age of nine and would beg my mom for wedding magazines when we would go to Barnes and Noble and I would be picking out the wedding books versus you know, political science books I didn't care about. I, do I love that still as, as another facet of my life? Sure. But I have had a passion for that since I was so young. So I would say I, that's been the greatest lesson for me is I needed to believe in myself and my first passion first and foremost. Hmm. Um, and to know that if you have a passion for something, it is God's gift 
and you should run with it because you will be successful um, because he's given each of us our own unique gifts. Mm. And so listen to those. I didn't listen and I wish I would have started my company at 24 instead of 30 Mm. um, because who knows where we would be now. But you can't look back. I think my path has been incredible to get there. And I don't know if I would have been ready for it um, before that mark, but believe in yourself and believe that those hobbies that you love can be an actual career. I think you nailed it on the the head at the end there that that was exactly what I was thinking as well, how eloquently you've said this, but sometimes it's the most obvious and glaring thing that you should step into that you're passionate about in the aftermath. And I think that there's buildup and I think there's lessons that have to be learned for that to be so obvious um, for you starting your own business, for me starting the podcast. It's like, what were we doing? It was always there in front of us, but there were lessons that we had to learn along the way as well. So yes, do be thinking about that, you guys. What is it that you're passionate about? What is it that you love that lights you up? Perhaps it's from age nine, like Kat, that that she would love weddings and love the details and the intricacy of all things wedding day and and brides and bridals and and whatnot but but perhaps there's something to you that that you might find a little glaring after this conversation you might not be able to shake it so keep us posted and and do keep us in mind well cat i know you always have something coming up whether you're traveling for a wedding or you're meeting up with a bride what is next for you oh my gosh we are going to so many destinations which is amazing um post-pandemic. I'm calling it post because I refuse to have it um, still (laughs) in our lives. Um, So we are headed all over the country. Our next destination is Colorado, and then we'll be heading over back across the country to Asheville, and then we'll be heading to Cabo. So we do destination weddings. Um, We also do in-town weddings, but we go everywhere. So um, we are excited to see um, you know, where the next wedding will take us. We're also planning a wedding in New Orleans, um, which will be such a fun one. Um, but we go everywhere. So that's kind of what's next for us is getting on a plane and planning weddings everywhere. Oh my gosh. Well, it's so fun and everyone will have to be on the lookout and, and find you. We'll, we'll mention this shortly on social to be able to follow along and see where you are, where you're headed. Well, Kat, this has been so much fun. I've loved unpacking your story and it's just so cool to hear all that you're doing. And again, I can't thank you enough for your time, but is there anything we didn't cover that you'd like to? Oh my gosh. Besides my blood type, I don't think so. I feel like I've covered everything. Oh, well, likewise. And, and again, it's just been so fun to, even before we're recording, have so much overlap and personal connections, which kind of leads me to the question. I, I know that you're out and about and you've met so many women and, and throughout your career, gosh. Um, but who comes to mind? Who do you know that should maybe come on and share their story? Oh my gosh. So many people. I would say um, first, my mother actually has her own company. Um, yes. And that's probably where I got a lot of my ambition from. Mm. And um, she has a handbag company um, called Bunny Bradley Designs. It's her grandmother's name. And she is doing that. But two other women who have become so near and dear to my heart are Alexandra Killian. She's an incredible interior designer. And um, 
is in Texas. And then um, Hannah Mason, um, who you know as well, is an incredible photographer, yes. wedding photographer. Um, and she just does incredible work. Um, so I can't say enough about all three of those women, but in each different spaces, fashion, interior design, and weddings, of course. Oh, amazing. Well, thank you. And you all will have to stay tuned. Amazing recommendations. And I can say so about all three. Fabulous. You guys will have to stay tuned for a potential episode with those wonderful ladies. Well, Kat, I'm sure listeners have already looked you up and, and are seeing all that you're doing, but where can listeners connect with you? On Instagram would be the best place for um, us to connect, which is at Holloway Events. Or of course, we have our website, HollowayEvents.com. Um, but those are the two places you can connect with me. And so you'll see my DMs. Um, it will actually be me. Um, <laughs> so I check all of those, even if I'm not posting. Um, so yes, that's where you can find me. Amazing. Well, Kat, thank you so much for your time today. This was a blast and we will talk soon. Thanks so much, Emily. Have a good one. Thank you all for listening to today's episode of How'd She Do That? Sponsored by Fig and Dove. I am Emily Landers. You can follow me on Instagram at Emily Landers and the podcast at How'd She Do That Podcast. We hope you'll join us next Tuesday for a new episode. We will talk to you soon. <laughs>